Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Morning in America's Nick Smith, and I'm so happy you're joining me for this edition of In the Mix. Here at News Nation, we cover a lot of news, but there are always a few stories that I think need a little more attention. And you know me, I always have more thoughts than we actually have time for on Morning in America. So here is where I share those with you, as well as extra content that didn't make the cut during our live show. So welcome to In the Mix with Nick Smith. I'm so excited to just sit and chat with you today. I would love to tell you that, hey, everything is always so perfect. But you know, there were a couple of things that just really weighed heavy on me this week. And I was speaking with my producer just to share with you guys a little bit. And I said, you know, I just don't know what to do this week for In The Mix. Everything was so dark and so heavy. And a couple of stories just really bothered me. And I didn't know how to really connect and share that because nobody wants to tune into a podcast that's down or, um, you know, morose or, you know, bringing you um, uh, sad news. But this week just started out so rough. Um, You know, over the weekend, we lost Bob Barker and I grew up watching Price is Right. And I know how silly it sounds, but there's just another example of how um, things that are just such a part of your childhood, um, when when they go away or when you lose them, you realize that you know, um, you know, time is not infinite. You know, that uh, you have to do all that you can to make the most of every day that you're here, particularly uh, with those whom you love, right? And sometimes many of those relationships can be difficult, be they with a a brother, a sister, a parent, a spouse. You just have to make sure that you take the time to block out the stuff that doesn't matter and tell those um, in your life that you love them. And even when you're in those moments of disagreement, you have to just say, you know what? Ah, There are times when I get so frustrated and um, there are times when I don't know what to say, but I know how I feel. I know that I I love you and I know that... um, It isn't always easy to love me, but, you know, what's important is that we're here on this journey of life together, and, and, you know, I want to let you know that I appreciate you, and I think that um, sometimes we're just so busy and so rushed, we don't take the time to tell those people in our lives how we feel, and then those moments are gone. And, again, I didn't know Bob Barker, but he was such a staple in my life growing up as a kid. 
um, that Price is Right was on CBS every weekday morning around 11 a.m. And you, you sit there and you're invested in somebody winning a car from Minnesota that you don't know. But you felt like you were there rooting them on and you wanted it to um, be a success for them because in some way you you took a victory from that, you know. Come on, Karen, you could win. Oh, lower, 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 higher, 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 whatever it was, you know, uh, for them to win that car and they win or they win that showcase showdown. They're jumping and screaming and you're jumping and screaming. Why? Because it was this emotional investment for just one hour where people you didn't know were taking a chance to somehow win something big and you saw something of yourself in them and you wanted them to win that. And I saw the passing of Bob Barker as the passing of an era. So rest in peace, Mr. Barker, and sending love to you and all your family. And then when we... um came into the studio on Monday, you know, we immediately were greeted with the names and uh, ranks of the service members who were killed over the weekend in that Osprey that went down in a training exercise. Um, and I do want to take a moment to recognize 21-year-old Corporal Spencer Colliard from Arlington, Virginia, 29-year-old Captain Eleanor LeBeau from Bellevue, Illinois, and 37-year-old Major Tobin Lewis from Jefferson, Colorado. Those were the three service members who went down in that Osprey craft during a training exercise. Um, I know that it is still under investigation, and of course, as we learn more, uh, we will share more here at News Nation. But I um, wanted to take a moment to recognize them simply because I have to um, just say that, one, I, I just think that we don't, as a country, do as much as we should to recognize the men and women who volunteer to serve. We are a volunteer military. so. The fact that these three um, raised their hands, swore an oath to the Constitution, and chose to serve, um, I think is one, uh, an act that should be recognized and commended. Um, but on the heels of that, I have to say, you know, nothing but the deepest empathy to uh, their families. Um, because even though the men and women who choose to serve uh, I'm a veteran myself. You know, we, we, we know why we choose to do it, and everyone has their own individual reason. But I can only imagine how difficult it is for their family members to lose them and to not lose them in a battle, but to actually lose them in a training exercise. Um, I can only imagine the questions they have and the levels of um, hurt, pain, frustration, all of that. I understand those stages of grief. And again, my heart goes out to each of their loved ones. And I feel comfortable saying that I extend the deepest sympathies to them and prayers of healing to them and their families um, on behalf of everyone here at News Nation as well.
as we do to those who are still suffering the effects of Hurricane Idalia and uh, turned into a tropical storm. And then we just know that there's just so much damage uh, still to be assessed from that. And fortunately, the, the fatalities have been um, fewer than five at our latest count here. Um, but again, the damage we know will be um, astronomical and it will take these communities quite a bit of time to recover. But the tone and tenor of this week as it started, it just really weighed on me. And like I, I said it at the start, I was speaking with my producer, I said, I just don't know what to do. I'm, I'm struggling. And, you know, she said, you know, Nick, everything isn't always hunky-dory. And it's okay to share that. So, you know, I, I just wanted to let you know where I was coming from this week. And so, you know, there are a couple of things that I lean on personally, whenever um, things are difficult in my own life. And I, I've always been a person of faith. You know, I grew up in the, the church, as, as have most African-Americans. You know, we, uh, I, my mother's family is from Georgia. My father's family is from Mississippi. So I have deep ties to the Baptist church. And uh, Southern Baptist has always been my denomination. And I don't go to church as often as I used to if I really go at all anymore, but my faith has not wavered. And I can only explain it as, you know, I continue to have conversations uh, with, with God that work for me in a way of prayer, strength, and guidance. And, and I, I prayed for strength uh, this week. Um, I prayed for strength this week because um, I felt overly emotional about the passing of a game show host that I had never met. I prayed for strength this week because I mourned the loss of three service members that I did not know, but I could understand what I felt to be the grief that their families may have been going through. And I also uh, prayed for the strength and um, speedy recovery efforts for those who were affected by the storms this week. We continue to see these storms have devastating impact, and it's just difficult. It's difficult to watch people lose everything and have to rebuild. It seems we move from disaster to disaster. We were just talking about Lahaina, um, and now we're dealing with um, Adalia, you know, and before that it was the wildfires uh, hitting the West Coast. There's just so much that we, we really do need to lean on each other as a community uh, in strength and prayer. And so, you know, I get up each morning and have my coffee and... You know, and I do my moments of gratitude before I do any of that and and just uh, thank God for my own life and and my ability to move regularly and and exercise. And one of the things I take great joy on in the morning is not only um, vlogging uh, in the morning and uh, connecting with so many who have connected with me via Instagram and, you know, just sharing and trying to respond to so many of the questions that I get uh, about the routine, about the show, about News Nation, about what we're doing here, about our mission, uh, about my coworkers, about the things that happen behind the scenes, all of that. I love sharing all of that. And, um, and I, I, I like to share in a way where I know that I am not um, uh, overexposing uh, other members of the team who may not uh, 
want personal information shared. I don't feel like that's ever necessary or ever warranted. Um, I think that everyone should be able to uh, share and speak on their own journey should they choose to do so. But I am excited to always share behind the scenes things that happen here at News Nation because I am so excited about the team that I work with and uh, the people who continue to grow and learn and how we are in a space where everyone is encouraged to uh, learn, take on more and do more. Um, including, you know, one of the stories this week wasn't mine that I thought was just fantastic. Just when I was at such a low, uh, one of my coworkers, you know, uh, Marky, she did a story with this pastor out of um, Minnesota uh, with the Hamline Church. And, um, you know, she she talked about how the um, Minnesota State Fair, uh, it was uh, Pastor Mariah Tolegard uh, is her name. Um, and she and her church do a food hall every year at the Minnesota State Fair. Now, get this. When I say every year, it was going on before uh, Reverend Tolegard was there, okay? Um, it's the Hamline Church. They do a dining hall. They're celebrating their 125th anniversary of being at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, they are the oldest food concession, um, and they are... Uh, they started as a group of church women back in 1897. And today um, I've learned that there are more than 250 volunteers. They put in around 3000 hours of work serving fair goers, about 20,000 meals each year. Well, Nick, what's so special about that? It's a state fair. There's supposed to be food, but it's also an opportunity to fellowship. And I thought that was fantastic. And um, the proceeds and the profits that they get go to support programs within the church and local nonprofit organizations that help people with recovery. Um, uh, because we do know that there are, are people who continue to struggle. And I just love that this group has made it their mission to attend this fair and make food and fellowship and you know, if you want to talk about your faith and uh, how Christ has blessed you, you can. If you want to learn more about Christ, you can. I just love that that's what this was all about. Marky did the interview. Marky did the story. And I want to let you know that if I'd had an opportunity to do this story, I think that I would have had to arm wrestle her for it. But it was fantastic. And I thought it was beautiful. And I had to share it. And I want you to hear it now. Millions are flocking to the Minnesota State Fair for fellowship, faith, a whole lot of mouthwatering food, too. In the middle of the Twin Cities, people are lining up for amusement rides, free Bibles, Christian music, a whole lot more. And one of the main attractions, get this, a 126-year-old church dining hall serving up hearty meals for a great cause. And joining us from the State Fair is Reverend Mariah Tolgard, pastor of Hamlin Church, United Methodist St. Paul. Her church runs the dining hall, which is powered by 700 volunteers. Uh, Reverend, good morning to you. What is it about church food? I grew up Southern Baptist. My family would go to our church on Wednesday nights. It just hits different. What's the secret sauce? Is it soul? Is it Jesus? What is it? Oh, it's the company too. It's just made with love and served with love and, and good friends uh, sharing a uh, table together. And your church's dining hall, the oldest running food establishment at the fair, 126 years old, uh, which is astounding. I understand it really draws in a cross-section of people. How do you use that as an opportunity to not only feed folks, but also minister to everybody from all walks of life? 
Yeah, we have uh, our church is located just about a mile down the road. And so it's been a natural connection for us to be serving in this because it really is our community. And we just are here to provide radical hospitality and welcome. We want people to feel as welcome here as they would coming into our church on a Sunday. And we welcome everybody. And we have all sorts of folks. One of the unique things about us is that you can sit down. We have tables here. Usually at the fair, you are walking around and trying to eat your food, uh, you know, and juggle whatever you're carrying and here you can come sit down and make a new friend and, and uh, share your meal together. Well, I know people are thankful for that. I understand my producers tell me there's already a line of folks outside waiting to come in for you. We only have uh, less than a minute left. Do you, could you show and tell some of your favorite items that are in front of you here? We'd love to see yes, and get hungry. Yes. We have a very popular breakfast and this year we have a new food. It's called our Holy Ham Loaf Sandwich. And this is made with our famous ham loaf, which has been a, a favorite recipe here at the dining hall for 75 years. And they put a new twist on it. It's uh, served on toasted bread with an egg uh, cooked into it and caramelized onions. Uh, and we also yeah. have these uh, later for dessert paletas, Mexican paletas, uh, a cinnamon mini donut, uh, like popsicle, like a cream ice cream bar, and a new fan favorite this year, dill pickle lemonade. I've heard this about is, this. This is, this oh, is, people yes. love it. It's really refreshing. It it's going to be really hot here today. It's going to be a big hit. <laughs> yeah, the salt sodium will, will do good for folks out in that heat. Uh, Reverend Mariah Tolgard, uh, wishing you the best. Thanks for hopping on this morning. I know it's about to be a big day for you. Yes, really appreciate yes, it. Thank you. Funny little side note, for the first time this year, they're actually going to be serving food on a stick. <laughs> and uh, do, can we agree that that little uh, flavored paella looked fantastic? That uh, Mexican ice pop? Mm hmm. I said, yeah, that looked pretty good. I like that. One of the other stories I wanted to share with you guys in the mix this week was a story uh, that I did think was fantastic that um, I had an opportunity to do through all the craziness where officials in one small Washington state county, get this, they recently announced a 32-hour work week. Well, wait a minute, Nick. This is nothing new. Ah, but it is. And he explains why, the mayor explains why uh, this is such a great idea for them because not only will, do they believe through their own studies that they will be able to increase productivity, um, but everyone seems to be on board. So they have buy-in from the community, they have buy-in from the employees, and they have been able to illustrate how they will not lose work productivity. Take a listen to my interview. Well, one county in Washington state is moving to a 32-hour work week beginning this fall. Officials in San Juan County say the move is needed to help with employee wellness and to maintain the county's budget without raising taxes. Now, employee salaries will not be impacted. Some may even still work five days a week, just with fewer hours. Joining me now is Brandon Caldwell, the Parks and Fair Director for San Juan County. Brandon, I think you have so many people in the newsroom right now saying, how do I get the first plane uh, there and, be join and join that team? How did you originate with this idea? Well, this idea really originated at the bargaining table with our local 1849 uh, unit. And it was a really creative, collaborative way between the county management and, and the labor union to really address uh, problems that we're seeing across the country. Um, skyrocketing inflation, housing prices are becoming out of reach for so many 
folks and taxes haven't really necessarily kept up with that. So how do we get creative on making sure that we're taking care of employees, um, but also, you know, making sure that we, we can't quite meet the wage demands that inflation has put on us, uh, but making sure that we take care of employees while getting creative. And so being able to pay them for, you know, what equates to their current 40 hour wages plus the cost of living adjustment, but reducing the workload while maintaining that same level of output was a really creative solution to, to come into for the workforce. You knew exactly where I was going with that. I was wanted to know because I know people have to be thinking other managers are saying, what is he doing? This has to decrease productivity, but that's not what you're seeing at all. What we what we did as part of this process was look at other examples that are in the private sector, nonprofit sector, governments across the globe, and study after study, pilot after pilot shows that those who make this change find their employees to be more energized, they're more productive while they're there, there's less absenteeism that they would otherwise have, and there's all these different little ways that you can add up efficiencies that really kind of keep that uh, output at the highest level. And so that's really what we're looking at. And so if it's working everywhere else, why wouldn't it work for us? We have one of the best workforces in the world and we're really looking forward to seeing these results. I have to wonder, though, what has the response been like? Because I have to believe not everyone is super excited about this idea. I believe that a majority may be, but I have to believe there are also those who are, like, married and saying, oh, now nah, he's going to be here five or four days. You know, he used to be gone five days a week, but now i got to deal with him an extra day. Uh, what, what has the response been like? It's largely been positive. I think a lot of folks, you know, a lot is coming out in this year in particular about the future of work and what a 32-hour work week uh, is and how that might play into that. But for those who have maybe not shared that same level of positivity, we understand it's concern. Uh, our local county government in a rural setting provides a lot of services from, from healthcare to roads to parks. And folks are really just concerned that they're gonna be receiving the same level of, of service. And so we share that concern and we made sure that we are lining up to review how well this is going for residents and for taxpayers at different intervals coming up to make sure that we're still meeting the demands of service that folks have come to expect and to keep up with that. So it's been positive and concern and we see everyone. And Brandon, that was obviously uh, my next question because you knew where I was going with this. I'm thinking if I am someone who lives in the county, am I still going to be able to go on that Thursday afternoon to get the services that I expect maybe from City Hall or whatever? And you're saying that your slogan for this change 100% pay, 80 hours, a 100% pro productivity will help to balance all that out. That is correct. So we're expecting most of our offices to maintain the same level of customer service that they do. Um, most offices will remain open five days. Some may shorten that to one, uh, shorten that one day to being open four days to the public because for them and their style of work, it's more important for them to have more collaboration together as an office to kind of get out what they need to, whether that's the building department or your local county assessor, whatever the case may be. Uh, and so all in all, we are making sure that we're putting metrics in place so that we're measuring uh, that we're keeping up that service. And so we're not going to see a decline in services to county residents. Brandon, I joked when I introduced you about, oh, everyone would want to move there. But what is the staffing situation right now? Are you uh, staffed to capacity? Are there openings? Or was this a way to kind of balance things out? Um, we have a chronic 10 to 15% vacancy and across the, you know, we might, I believe we're the largest employer in our county as the county government. And when you start stacking up those vacancies, that's facilities workers, that's nurses, that's, um, you know, senior services, that is everything from roads and laborers. And it really creates this functional 
issue to being able to provide the services that folks come to expect from us. And so we're really looking at this to being able to recruit really good employees that can really inc increase our capacity, but also make sure that they stay here and are happy. And so this is just actually one measure amongst a suite of efforts that the county is taking uh, place in from leasing private housing to use this transitional housing for folks to relocate here. Internship programs is just really looking for that we're making sure that we're building the best workforce possible. Brandon, I have less than 30 seconds. When we speak to you a year from now, what will success look like? Success will look at the county really not noticing a difference having moved to a 32 hour work week. That folks are getting their building permits on time, that you know vaccination clinics are still going up for residents, that the parks and campgrounds are open, clean and accessible, and that we see happier, healthier employees that can spend more time with their kids, family, going to appointments without being stressed and burnt out. And so what we hope to see in a year from now for success is happy employees, happy residents, and a well-functioning government. And I was serious. I'm going to hold him to that. When we check back next year, okay, I want to know what success looks like, and we'll see if they were indeed successful. I'm going to close you guys out this week with um, a story that gave me a little bit concern simply because we were also talking about Hurricane Adalia. And that's how, you know, the rising cost of insurance premiums have so many homeowners taking a uh, risky move, I think, and that is the move of foregoing home insurance. Now on your Tuesday, homeowners insurance premiums are skyrocketing nationwide as some of the largest companies pull out of California and Florida because of the high number of natural disasters, specifically hurricanes, which we're talking about this morning, and also fires. So if you need a new policy, it's costing you a lot more. That's partially due to inflation, everything from the prices of goods and materials to additional labor costs. Uh, those are higher as well. And according to the insurance brokerage policy genius, more homes are also prone to natural disasters disasters than ever before. They cite recent events like the devastating flooding that we saw in upstate New York. This video, uh, tornadoes in New England, wildfires in the Rockies, you name it. Nick is back with more uh, on the latest here. Hey, Nick. Hey, and Marky, each of those natural disasters are completely unpredictable. Inflation is hitting everywhere, and insurance premiums are no exception. On the average house, homeowners are paying out anywhere between 20 to 30 percent more to insure their property than they did a year ago. Insurance costs are on the rise, and some homeowners are gambling big time these days, skipping on home insurance, betting that disasters won't strike. When a home burns down or when multiple homes burn down, that homeowner loses their home, they lose their equity, they lose where they live every day. The national average for home insurance based on a $250,000 house has increased this year to $1,428 a year. That's up 20% from 2022. And according to one industry trade survey, 12% of homeowners with an income of less than $40,000 are going without insurance this year. Experts say a bad economy and increase in claims and extreme weather damages are to blame for higher insurance premiums. And homeowners question whether insurance is worth the money. Y'all see how big that tree is, right? Yeah, they're only going to pay for what's on the roof. I don't understand insurance, but I feel like this is not right. Nobody talks about the expenses, the stress. I'm going to do a whole nother TikTok series about insurance companies and how it was just a living nightmare. There are ways to try and keep insurance costs down.
increase your deductible, have a higher deductible that will lower your monthly costs. Also bundling your insurance, your auto and home with one carrier, there's discounts there. And if you think the government is going to help pay for damaged homes due to extreme weather, think again. The government reimbursement is a far cry from the cost of rebuilding. So in 2023, um, if there is a federal disaster declaration, individual assistance grants will give um, individuals $41,000 in grant money, but that but $41,000 is not gonna rebuild a home, I don't think anywhere in the country. When your home, the place you live in, the place you see comfort and shelter is, is broken and doesn't work, it's truly damaging on your mental health. And F, insurance companies, they will not do shit. And she's right. Insurance prices aren't going down anytime soon. So analysts say homeowners need to weigh the risk of going without insurance and the possibility of losing everything they work for. Marky. Well, inflation is hitting everybody hard. And we know that, you know, how you manage your uh, money and how you have to manage expenses can be a deeply personal thing. Uh, and because of that, some are saying, you know what, I just cannot afford uh, this homeowner's insurance. Uh, there are tips to try and navigate that line before you just get rid of your homeowner's insurance in its entirety um, to maybe, you know, pay a higher monthly premium uh, so that you can uh, uh, reduce, uh, you know, or your cost in the long run. Uh, if you, excuse me, if you have a higher monthly premium, uh, one of the, the things to do is to say, you know what, I'll pay a higher deductible so I can lower that premium. Um, but in the end, one is not legally required to have uh, homeowner's insurance. Uh, sometimes the bank will require you to do it if you have um, a mortgage. Uh, but other than that, you're not. But there are things to consider. If someone should be injured on your property, they can literally go after everything that you have and you've worked for. So keep that in mind if you're one of those who's considering whether or not you should keep your homeowner's insurance. I'm hoping that you choose to. Uh, but either way, more than anything, we want uh, everyone who listens and watches News Nation to, uh, to be safe and protect them, their families, and their investments. Hey, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I want to let you know I appreciate the feedback that you've given me. And uh, it helps. You know, it really helps to uh, know that uh, you're not alone sometimes when you're struggling with different things. And, and I know this, and I'm blessed to have a strong support system. And it's um, reinforced when I can be completely transparent with colleagues and say things like, you know what, I don't know how to do this podcast this week because I don't have, uh, you know, four stories that make me sing and dance. But each of these touched me in different ways. And I appreciate each of you for taking the time to listen and allowing me to share uh, with you uh, stories that may not have made me sing and dance, but they definitely filled my heart. And I'm hoping that, um, that each time you invest in sitting and listening with me or driving with me or wherever you choose to listen, um, that you know um, that I'm taking the time to think about the things that I want to share so that you too can feel as though, you know what? Spending time with Nick. Hmm each week. I like that. I like that. And I want you to keep on liking that. All right, guys, have a good day. And I'll talk to you soon. We'll be back for In The Mix.
Don't forget, you can watch me and my Morning in America family on News Nation weekdays starting at 6 a.m. in the East, 5 a.m. Central. And if you don't know where to catch us, you can always go to www.joinnn.com. You'll see a drop down box. That's where you enter your zip code, and the channel finder will show you the broadcast channel in your area. But we're also on all the streamers Hulu, Roku, YouTube TV, as well as Amazon Alexa and Apple CarPlay.